Chapter 1, Part 2 of Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book 10, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 29. And now I have told you, before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe. A prophecy of the future is manifestly a sure pledge of what the future has in store for us. Christ confirms, therefore, the heart of his disciples, and seems to inspire in them a firm conviction that he is really ascending to God the Father in the heavens, to reign with him and share his throne as God, and as God really begotten of him. For do not, he says, set my departure, which is according to the flesh, and an object of sight, for I will be with you as God for ever on a level with that of the holy prophets. For they, as they passed from the earth and paid the debt of nature, were brought low, and died according to the law of human creatures. But I, who am the true God, am not measured by the same standard as my creatures, awaiting the time of the resurrection. For I live for ever, and I am the true life. And I will send the Comforter, and I will grant you my peace also, and will not lie. But to the intent that, when you receive the promise and are illumined by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you may ratify the truth of my words, recollecting what I have said in the light of experience, and to the intent that you may have the firm conviction that I live and reign with the Father, I have foretold and spoken this to you. The fulfillment of the promise will then confirm the truth of my words. For if I be not the life, he says, and if I be not enthroned with God the Father, how can I myself vouchsafe divine and spiritual graces? And I will bestow them as I have promised, and I will bring to you the spirit and peace. Is it not then beyond dispute that I am the life, and that I reign with the Father? for it is not the act of one who is dead or powerless to illumine with divine graces those who love him, but it is the act of one who is living and powerful and who reigns for ever. Christ, therefore, has hereby taught us that he made no empty prophecy of the future, for he says that he made this discourse that they might have their faith in him confirmed when they came to think upon and reflect on his promises after they had experienced his grace. 30.31 I will no more speak much with you, for the prince of the world cometh, and he hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Now when the impious Jews were already at hand, with the band of soldiers whom they brought, and their leader who also had promised to betray him, and were ready to take him and bear him away in no long time to his sufferings upon the cross, and before the crucifixion, he declared that he would break off his discourse with them. For, he says, the time is short and already past. And now that the bloodthirsty spirit of the Jews is at its height against me, and shows itself already within the gates, the time for speech with you is past, and the period of my passion has arrived. But, he says, the prince of this world hath nothing in me. 
and I shall die very gladly, and undergo death to save the world, and through reverence to my father and love towards him, willingly encounter inconceivable anguish, that I may fulfill his will. The aim of what he says here is very plain, and compressing his words into smaller compass we say, Adam, the author of our race, underwent death by a divine curse, through his breaking the commandment given to him, accused by himself and the devil. He indeed seems to have suffered for good reason, since the doom of punishment justly pursues those who have sinned from indolence. But the second Adam, that is, our Lord Jesus Christ, who can have no such charge brought against him at all, for he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, underwent his sufferings for us, having of himself no responsibility whatever for them, but by his sufferings procured a ransom for the world, owing to his love for the Father, who yearned for the salvation of the world. For it was truly the work of his love for the Father, not to set at naught his decree and firm resolve, but to hasten to bring it into effect. And what was this decree? He willed that his own Son, though of like fashion with himself, and distinguished by his perfect equality with him, should descend to such humiliation as to take the form of man for our sakes, and not to shrink from death to save the world. This the Son did through love of his Father, who is said to have ordered him by his own power to suffer death in his fleshly nature, and to destroy the power of corruption, and to quicken the dead, and to restore them to their ancient state. Therefore he says that the time for speech is short. For my suffering is drawing nigh, and the presumptuous counsels of the Jews have burst into flame. I will suffer willingly, as for this cause I have come. But the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. That is, I shall not be convicted of sin and the Jews will not be able to establish their charge of drunkenness against me. The devil hath no part in me, for vices are as it were his attributes, and wickedness owes its parentage to him. For the truth of our Saviour's words will be most clearly seen from what follows. For how did he sin who knew no sin, the true and living God, who was wholly incapable of turning from the path of righteousness? And we shall see this most clearly by the actual writings of the holy evangelist. For the most wise John has represented Pilate saying, I find no crime in him. And again, after putting on him the crown of thorns, as saying these words, Behold, I bring him out to you, that ye may know that I find no crime in him. And Matthew says that he so hated the crime that he washed his hands before the Jews and said, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous man. And the same evangelist points him out to us when he was brought into the presence of the high priest themselves and says, Now the chief priest and the whole council sought false witness against the Christ that they might put him to death, and they found it not, though many false witnesses came. Still, though accusations were sought against him by the agency of men, 
the devil used them as ministers and instruments of his own malice, and it was he more than anyone else who sought to find sin in him. It is then true that the devil had no part in him, whom Christ called Prince of this world, speaking of the present moment, not as though he were truly Lord of it, but as a foreign intruder who has gained by the law of conquest what does not belong to him. For by sin he subjected mankind to himself, and driving them away from God as sheep who have no shepherd, he ruled over them though they were not his own. Therefore was he rightly cast out from the kingdom he had so obtained. For Christ has become king over us, and therefore he says, Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. Arise, let us go hence. The common and usual acceptation of the words before us suggests the thought that as the period of the madness of the Jews had come, and the priceless cross of our Saviour was well nigh set up, he was hastening to depart with his holy disciples to that place in which the band of men and officers found and took him, and the thought is a plausible one. But probably there was another meaning hinted at, I mean a spiritual and hidden meaning. For when he says the words, Arise, let us go hence, he means to signify that to all of us there lies open by him and with him a change from one state to another, and a refuge from a worse condition in a better in order that we may realize some such conception as this, the passing from death unto life, and from corruption into incorruption, by him and with him, as I just said, as passing from one place into another. It is a fine saying, then, Arise and let us go hence, or you may interpret it to yourselves in some other way. From henceforth we are bound to be transformed from loving to think on earthly things into choosing the will to do God's pleasure, and besides this, to pass from slavery into the dignity of sonship, from earth into the city above, from sin to righteousness, the righteousness I mean that is due to faith in Christ from the impurity of man's nature to the sanctification by the Spirit, from dishonor to honor, from ignorance to knowledge, and from cowardice and faint-heartedness to endurance and goodness. Localizing, then, figurating, as it were, our transgressions upon earth in the spot whereon he stood, he says, Arise, and let us go hence. For if this meaning entered into the scope of his speech, and he means to show thereby his affinity to us, it can do us no harm at all to act in this way, since he found it in his nature so to do. Moreover, in other places you will find him saying to his own disciples, We must work the works of him that sent us while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Do you hear how he implicates himself together with us in the duty of doing work, although he does not lie under the necessity of working as we do? 
and this form of speech is usual with us, and we shall find it just as much amongst ourselves. And the inspired Paul, when he rebuked the Corinthians, ventured on this expression, exhorting them in these words, now these things, my brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos, that in us ye might learn not to think beyond the things which are written. And there is no question that we have not an elder, nor an angel, but the Lord of all himself, though he was not subject to our infirmities, to point out the way to all that is good, and to turn us from our old lust to better things. For we have been ransomed not by ourselves, nor by any other creature, but rather by Christ himself our Saviour. Therefore, when escaping as it were with us, in our company, from the wickedness of the world, he says, Arise, let us go hence. He speaks these words not as subject to it as we are, or bound by human infirmities, but as our leader and champion and guide to point out the way to incorruption and life in sanctification and love of God. End of chapter 1